Hey, good morning, friends. Good to be with you. I will be continuing our sermon series on emotionally healthy church. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew 26, verse 36 to 44. And I'll be reading for us together. Let's read. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup, cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you, as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he, found them, he, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. That's the reading of God's word. You know, um, years ago, I sat through a meeting uh, with a couple of colleagues, and um, I think in the beginning of the meeting, we had this time of check-in, just sharing about what we're going through or what we're experiencing, how we're doing, that type of thing. And um, one started to share about how they felt discouraged and depressed and um, just unable to... Uh, unsure of how to move forward because of how they were feeling and just the depression they were going through at that point. And, you know, we were listening with just, you know, feeling the pain of this colleague and we were, you know, just actively listening, at least I thought, giving him the verbal cues, cues of um, just active listening. And just a little, and, you know, again, he was just sharing and we were, we were there with him. But immediately after he did, someone um, looked around and said, what's for lunch? <laughs> and we're, I was just confused, like, wait, this dude just shared his heart. He just bared his soul to everyone. And the next thing we can think about or say is, what's for lunch? Um, sometimes I think about that and I laugh because it was kind of an awkward moment. But I think that was indicative of something that a lot of us actually experience or a lot of us have trouble with. I think that so many of us have a hard time of being present with someone who is suffering. It's sometimes, sometimes awkward and you know, we want to have a joyful conversation. We'd rather have a joyful conversation. So we, we have a hard time being present. But I think at the heart of the matter is this. 
that we find um, great difficulty being present with our own sufferings, with our own pain and our own agony. That we wish we could just skip it away and just have it disappear and not have to deal with it. And because of that, we also have trouble being with others who might be experiencing that same pain and suffering. In the story we just um, read about Jesus, we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is experiencing, again, this pain and anguish. Yet he, you see him have this courage to share what he's experiencing. We see him vulnerable to actually um, be honest about what's going on. It's a testament to his humanity. He's experiencing this heart-wrenching despair because he's just about to suffer and die. So of course he's in deep anguish and that's why he's there and he's going to the Father and in prayer asking that this cup be taken away from him. That's again a testament of his humanity. But still he was able to say, your will be done. Your will be done. And like Jesus here in this story, we all will lose everything. We all will experience the inevitable reality of death. Everything will die. But even until that time, we will also experience um, uh, various losses throughout our lives, some small and some big. Right? We will all experience the loss of death, I mean, the loss of jobs, the loss of, of relationships, um, the loss of our youth. Right? I, I can't run the same way I ran when I was 10 years, 10 years ago. I'm losing my youth, although I look young, which I'm, I'm, I'm glad about, but I, we're all getting older. Some of us will experience the loss of hair, right? We're all going to lose something. One thing or the other, small, some big. We'll all experience the loss of a loved one. Right? The problem, however, is not that these things are inevitable. The problem is how we've been taught to deal with losses. The way we've been taught to deal with losses, I think, undermines our humanity. It undermines the healing process of getting through those losses. Because so often we're taught to ignore it. We're taught to be numb to it. We're taught to just get over it, you know, be strong. Or sometimes we minimize it or over-spiritualize it. And when we do these things, we often cannot experience the full healing, the full res uh, restoration. Instead, we find ourselves carrying old scars and wounds that could have been healed, but now just festers within us. The path to full restoration begins when we embrace this loss, 
when we go through it, when we face the pain and agony we are experiencing. Because the path to resurrection only comes through, um, through death. So I believe for us, to, for us, as people of God, if we are to embrace the losses that will inevitably come our way, the losses that we have experienced as a result of COVID, we have to embrace it. And I want to share that we, the, the way we can embrace this, these losses is by um, honesty first, um, finding companionship, and thirdly, humility. Honesty, companionship, and humility. You know, to be honest, for us to actually live in honesty, it means that we have to name the reality we're experiencing. And it's not easy to do oftentimes. It's actually easier to just ignore it, to skim over it. But an honest assessment of our situation or our circumstance, whatever it might be, all, an honest assessment of our emotions requires enormous strength to resist our insufficient coping mechanisms. Some of which we've learned from our surrounding culture, from our families. Sometimes they value strength, again, over uh, brute strength, over weakness. Or sometimes we take, we, we, we've learned in the American Christianity to promote joy and celebration over any other emotion. In churches, the problem stems from taking particular verses from, of the Bible and propping it over and against the mosaic literature that scripture, the mosaic literature of emotions that scripture affirms. One author writes this. He says, is the Christian life only for happy, clappy people? Where are the doubters, the grievers, and where, and the where the heck are you God complainers? Is the Christian life only for happy, clappy people? Of course not. The Christian life is not just for them. It's for those who are afraid, those who are sad, those who are angry, those who are frustrated, those who find themselves in tears, those who find themselves in mourning. Scriptures filled with lots of raw emotion from laments to complaints, cries for justice, to mourning, anger, and everything in between. In fact, didn't Jesus say, blessed are those who mourn? He did. And that's where we find Jesus in our passage, mourning and grieving. Fully honest about what he's experiencing. The text says that he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to his disciples, to his students, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, right? A visceral emotional distress. Some commentators would say that he was depressed. Deep agony. Now, for some people, you might be hearing this and, and thinking, was he really that emotional? Isn't he divine? Isn't he God? Of course he was. But he was, he was also human. 
And that's the beauty of this passage. It doesn't gloss over his humanity. It doesn't exaggerate his divinity. It shows Jesus as he really is, God in flesh. So with this level of honesty, we see Christ break the norms and expectations of a society that celebrates strong men, that celebrates heroes, and we see Christ in flesh, Christ in sorrow, Christ honest about his own um, interior disposition. And I think for many of us, the failure for us to be honest about our emotions, though, to be honest about what we're experiencing, to be honest about the loss we just experienced, results in us hiding from ourselves. We shrink up. And each time we hide, we shrink up. Each time we're not honest, we shrink up. We can never be fully present with ourselves. Yet Jesus shows us that it is okay, it is acceptable, it is necessary for us to embrace our losses by being honest about it. That it's okay to admit our pain and our despair. It's okay to admit that you're feeling overwhelmed or that you're feeling afraid. It's okay. And then secondly, in order for us to embrace our loss, we not only have to be honest, we need companionship, right? This is, a, a, this is necessary for us because our gut reaction is to hide, cover, or pretend, do everything to look good in front of everyone. Again, Christ shows us a different picture he calls Peter, John, and James. He tells them to stay here and watch with me. Right? We see Christ seeking support from his friends, seeking support from his students, demonstrating to us that none of us is above seeking help, above seeking support. Whether you're shy or introverted, whether you're strong or capable, we all need friendship. We all need companionship. We all need the support. The support of a community to come around us and just be present. You know, sometimes when we're, you know, feeling just sad or just dealing with whatever loss we might be experiencing, sometimes you just need someone just to be there. You don't even, they don't even have to say anything. Most times it's best if they don't say anything. Just their presence is enough. And this is one of the reasons we stress hope groups and pods and because we know as imperfect as they may be, right, no community is perfect. We know that we need community to support us in good times and bad times, in times of dancing and times of mourning. We need good community around us, a place for us to be honest and vulnerable. But isn't it interesting, though, that while he had the support around him, 
why he had the presence of his, of his friends around him. They kind of fell asleep on him, right? They left him by himself, and they fell asleep. Jesus is in pain and agony, and yet his friends are sleeping. I know sometimes it feels that way, that even when we have the support that we need, it does not all fully give us the fulfillment that we want. It's very helpful, but it doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away the agony. And it's not supposed to. It's supposed to help. There's still this deep sense of void and loneliness that we all experience. Again, the support, the condolences, the care, these are all good things. These are things that we need. But it never really fully heals the ache inside. No one truly understands truly what you might be experiencing. We're all different. We're all made different, different personalities, different temperaments. No one might really fully understand what you're going through. That's why we need a supernatural support system. We need a support system that is above uh, human support. We need the support of a father who created us, who knows us. We need the creator to come alongside us, even in our times of despair. And that's why we need humility. The humility, humility to go before God and lay bare our sorrows, lay bare our grievances. The humility to say, not my will, but yours be done. By doing this, we're saying we're relinquishing control and acknowledging the one who truly is in control. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to minimize um, any of any pain or anything you might be experiencing at all, right? Some of us might be wrestling with anger, with hopelessness and doubts, but thank God we can bring it to him. Thank God we can offer it to him. Humility is not about coming before God squeaky clean and put together, but it's coming to him beat up, exhausted, overwhelmed and tired. It's coming to him just as we are because he's more than willing to receive us. And that's where we find Jesus today in our text. We find Jesus going before the Father to pray, relinquishing control of his life, a costly yet beneficial posture cost him his life, but he's able to reap the rewards of uh, resurrection, not just for himself, but for every one of us. 
This um, reminds me of uh, Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son. And in this painting, you see the love of a father for his son. The prodigal son is disheveled and completely broken. He's dirty, he's messy, and yet in all that mess and all that filth, the father is able to receive him and celebrate him. On the other hand, we see the older brother not participating in this love. The older brother is cold, proud, and distant. Yet the father is there. Father is there. You know, just like you, there have been many losses that I have had to grieve. The loss of community, the loss of being around you, it's a loss I didn't even realize I had until someone told me that, listen, I think you are feeling sad because you don't have the community anymore, your community as you knew it. And yeah, that was eye-opening for me. And maybe that's true for you, your grieving loss of community and still have not engaged in that loss or embraced that loss. I want to invite you even now to make that honest assessment. What is the loss that you're experiencing? What is the emotion that you're experiencing? Where do you find yourselves even now? And I want you to be honest about it. I want you to find companionship to come around you, to support you, and also to come and surrender to the Father. You might be feeling cold, proud, and distant from God, but he is willing to embrace you as well. He's willing to receive you. So my prayer, my friends, today is that we be honest, that we find companionship, and that we come to God in humility and in love towards him. That's my prayer. Let's worship as we respond together in song.